on this episode of Quantum Week, June 17th through 23rd, 1984. Quantum Week! Quantum Week! Welcome to Quantum Week, I'm Matt. I'm Chris. Quantum Week is a show in which Chris and I leap into a random week of a random year, and we talk about the movies, the music, the headlines, everything that's happening during that time period that makes it uh, unique. And we're continuing our week of uh, June 17th through 23rd, 1984. This should be our third show after the YouTube Live and the Wednesday show. This is our Saturday show. That's correct. Uh, and we're staying in this amazing week that has just awesome monster week. hit after monster hit. Yeah. Uh, we had the YouTube show. We did Indiana Jones, the Temple of Doom. On Wednesday, you would have heard the Ghostbusters show. Yes. If you haven't heard that, go back and listen. Please listen. Uh, and then today we have Gremlins. Gremlins. It's just like, <laughs> so just a quick backstory of kind of, uh, of kind of this time in movie history. Uh, a lot of people feel this is the greatest month and uh, in, in like entertaining movie history. Potentially. Yeah. Um, yeah, because the top 10 is pretty unreal. It's crazy. And then also, this was also the week that Karate Kid came out. That's right. We're going to be talking about Karate Kid next week. Yep. Because uh, we're staying in 1984. And, and back then in the 80s, movies were staying in the theaters for a very long time. Uh, I was so, going to say that because that, because it's been like three months for yeah. Uh, Karate Kid. Yeah. And because we're talking, we have four months Four or four months. Right. We're talking the last week of October, October, 1984. Right. And Karate Kid will still be like a top <laughs> one or grossing something. show, a yeah. uh, movie rather. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. Um, but so how it worked was, uh, there was one week, uh, in particular where Ghostbusters and Gremlins came out the very same weekend. Yeah. Uh, I think it was a couple weekends before the one we're in now, because this was their second weekend. I think so. Week. Yeah. Um, and Ghostbusters is number one, which it, it by all right should have been it was yep. a you know star laden cast this doesn't have any real huge names in it but this was actually a pretty close number two i think it was like 16 17 million for ghostbusters like was it 14 for this oh really i this didn't know movie, it was that close this movie made its uh it was pre-marketing budget back opening weekend which is always nice for the movie studios yeah i think i saw it cost like 11 million to make yeah. or something it something did, like it that it did cost a lot to market if you remember i don't know, do you remember when this movie came out i do i do but it's just so foggy yeah, these commercials were everywhere. Didn't wasn't it, Chris? Didn't you see a uh, on the poster a gremlin with a with a Santa hat on? Yep. Okay, good. they had that. Uh, they also had a really great commercial and trailer that kind of went over the three rules of the gremlins. Yeah, you know, don't get them white. Don't feed them after midnight. Um, direct sunlight. In direct sunlight. Bright light. Um, <laughs> yes. th- so you you really but it, that right off the bat super intriguing. What a great hook. Yeah, you know there's this creature you never heard of. And back then, you know, remember this is only two years after ET. Yeah, so it's like oh wow, like another kind of ET ish kind of movie. Um, which it's obviously not. No, it's not at all. Um, uh, but it, it, from the trailers, they try to sell it that way. Plus, yeah. it had Steven Spielberg's name on it. Oh yeah, that's true. He yeah. pr- he he produced it. Uh, and and it was off and running. It was really just Chris Columbus's idea. We're gonna get into Chris Columbus's career in a bit. Um, but, but he Chris wrote it, right? He wrote. This. Was this his first one that he wrote? I think it was his first one. I think he was like working as a as like a he was working like a you know a, a regular job or something, and then wrote this. And Spielberg liked it and. Uh, and greenlit it. I'm yeah. pretty sure. You're, I, I believe you're right. Am uh, I right? There's two movies. He wrote two movies that year. Is this yes. and a movie called Reckless. Right, yes. Which, which is not really memorable at all. In fact, I think there was even another movie called Reckless that came out 10 years later that yeah. you might even be thinking of. I actually had to go back and look at this one. I don't remember it at all. Uh, and he did Gremlins. And then the movie he wrote after this was Goonies. We'll get into That's Chris right. Columbus yeah. in a yeah. bit. Yeah. 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 But you can just see you know, kind of where he was But it going. was his vision. It was his vision. Yeah. And then Joe Dante, who we're going to talk about as well in a bit, he directed this, yeah. and this is right up his alley. Oh, yeah. And we'll talk about that yeah, uh, yeah. in a bit, too. But uh, as far as the, the casting and the, and the production, so Spielberg uh, did produce this. He did it with um, a little hesitancy. So uh, they got the script, and then uh, the original script was very dark. The, oh, I, that's what I heard, is that it was a lot darker. And I a got great some of that. microcosm of kind of, let me kind of walk through this yeah, scene. Sure, so the sure. scene with the mother and the kitchen. Right. That's okay. exactly the one I was thinking. Great. Yep. So this is a really dark scene. It is um, really dark. So the initial rule, the initial way this was going, the initial script, excuse me, was the mother loses the fight to the gremlins. <laughs> yes. They kill her. And then when, um, when Zach Galligan's character, Billy, walks through the door, the mother's head rolls down the stairs to his feet. That's fucking dark. And it's already dark because she kills a gremlin in a blender, right. uh, a mixing bowl, well, but basically quite, a blender. They hadn't quite gotten there yet. Okay. Right. So then they're like, all right, we can't have that. <laughs> we, don't, we don't want this to be rated R. We want this to be rated PG. Yeah. Okay, great. So they uh, they they stream it way down, and the, basically the mother like fights a couple of gremlins. That's fine. They get to like closer to shooting, and Joe Dante wants to spice this up a bit. Yeah. So then he adds things like the blender, 
the microwave. microwave. So the those stabbing came, with the knife. Yeah. Right. Yeah. In the in like the disposal. Oh my god. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Um. So like those things happened. Um. So it almost like started off really dark. Yeah. Then got really light, and then kind of met in the middle. But in the middle is still pretty fucking dark. I I was surprised at how violent that scene was. There's it's a few really that are really violent. That are really violent. So the microwave scene. We talked a little bit about it on the YouTube show. But yes. So th- that scene in particular, if you want to see, if you ever ask yourself what movie scene created the PG-13 rating. Right. It's that one. It's two scenes, actually. It's that one, and it's when uh, in Indiana Jones and Temple of Doom when he pulls the heart out. Yes, exactly, right. And, was, and we talked about that Spielberg afterwards, because he was getting flack for this right. from, like, parents and shit, went to the well, NBA. No, it hadn't come out yet. Oh, yeah, it hadn't he come out yet, right. He only saw the... He got... He Basically, they had some test audiences that saw yes, it. Yes, But yes, he yes, himself yes. had some, some, like, misgivings. Right. Uh, and and then this movie... I mean, you know, you, you wonder, too, when, they, when he says he had misgivings, you also wonder if he had misgivings about this, too. Probably. Because he's been on record saying how he thinks this movie's too dark. Yeah. And this isn't really necessarily the movie that he had envisioned when he produced it. Because I think when he initially greenlighted, put his name on it, the blender and the microwave scene weren't in this movie. Okay. It's, that makes more sense. Afterwards. Yeah. But it still had his name attached. Uh, and I think for me, so I love this movie. I think it's really good. I forgive a lot of the bad stuff. I forgive more of the bad stuff in this movie. What's I bad think in this because movie? well, we can talk about that in a second. You want me to okay. give you the synopsis first, though? Yeah, the fifteen second. Yeah. So a dude gets a Christmas gift from his dad. A dude, <laughs> so lame. <laughs> it's a creature called a mogwai, and it's stolen <laughs> from a shop in China in Chinatown. Is that stolen? Uh, he bought it. No. Uh, yeah, but he didn't under- steal it. Under false pretenses. Oh, I agree with that. No, he did pay for it, but under false pretenses. Two hundred dollars. Two hundred bucks. There are three rules. We already talked about those. Sunlight kills them. Don't get them wet. Don't feed them after dark. They do all three of these fucking things, which creates pretty, gremlins. Pre- pretty quickly. <laughs> pretty quickly. Like, right off the bat. Oh, <laughs> spilled some water. The pelts oh. are, the are fuck up this entire movie. <laughs> they are. They're terrible. Um, which creates the yeah the gremlins, which are evil versions of the Mogwai, and the gremlins basically destroy the town. Mogwai. <laughs> uh, yes, right. Uh, that's that's it in a nutshell. Uh, this I, I really love this movie. Um, um, I love it maybe too much. Um, I guess That's what, yeah. maybe there are some negativity. Like, so like Zach Allen. There's plot holes all over the place. There's things that they don't tie up. They also treat <laughs> a sentient being terribly. Mogwai is a sentient. He has language. Yes. He's talking. He has a personality and they treat it like an it. You've got a science teacher who's doing experiments on this motherfucker. It's, oh, yeah. It's, yeah. it's like. Well, he gets his though. He does get. And I, and I rooted for him. To, so the gremlins take him out. Uh, the science teacher, I think, offered a uh, like a candy bar to yeah. the gremlin. The gremlin like ate the candy bar and then ate him. Yeah. Really. Oh, another dark scene that wasn't in there was they were supposed to eat the dog. Apparently, yes. Right. This was in that original script that had the uh, the mother's head rolling down. The other thing too is like, what was uh, oh who was great the, dog by the way? That dog was great. Yeah, really great yeah, dog. Good a plus dog. Yes. Uh, who Barney the dog? Barney the dog. Who was the woman Scrooge woman who wanted so Mrs. That's, that's Polly Holiday's the actress. Right. So she was in a show. Do you remember a show called Alice? Yeah, I do. Right. Exactly. So you might, if you're young, you might not remember this. This show was actually on. I believe you can you can check. I believe it was on from seventy four to eighty four. I think it was on for like ten years. It was right. based on a movie called Alice Doesn't Live Here Anymore, which was one of Scorsese's first films. Yep. Then they made a, a, a sitcom about it where Alice, Alice is this uh, single mom who works at a restaurant, like a diner with two other waitresses and kind of like a, a, a very like, a, like aggressive boss. Yeah. Like not aggressive, like sexually. Just aggr- kind of like yeah, a loud, yeah, yeah. boisterous boss, yeah. right? Uh, uh, was it Mal? Mel? 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 Mel's Diner, right? Um, so but the show is on just... It was fucking on forever. Yeah. It was just a consistent, like, I don't say hit, but it was a consistent, like, performer for them. Uh, and she was one of the uh, waitresses. And in fact, I think... She was in a spinoff, actually, that was about her, I thought, too, Flo. afterwards. She it was Flo. Flo. Yeah, it was Flo. Uh, so I don't know if she stayed on to the end of the run, but the, the Alice, the show, ended right around the time this movie came out, which yeah. might explain, but yeah. So Mrs. Deagle is Deagle, her Deagle. character. That's something I don't understand. So she's a Scrooge character in yeah. this film where like it's, she's she's kind of one with the banks and she's, you know, she's foreclosing on people or whatever. Right. And then she wants to kill Barney, the dog. Yeah. Whatever. And she died. Like, I don't understand that arc at all. Like why she exists as a Scrooge. She's basically Scrooge in this film. Why the fuck does she exist at all? She's just a bad guy. Someone to root against. Yeah, but like a, like you a, root like against. A, like a Miss Gulch the- character from Wizard of Oz, if you will. Yeah, but we are. A who? Miss Gulch from the oh, right, woman right, that wants right, to kill right. Toto? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but the, so it was like, but you, you already have the gremlins, though. They're the bad guys in this film. You don't need Mrs. Deagle. But we didn't have, remember, we don't have a bad guy until the gremlins show up. So there's no yeah, antagonist for the first 45 minutes of the movie. So I think that's yeah. why she exists. That's sort of weird. Um, eh, it, it is and isn't. Um, the, this movie also... Uh, Way to couch that. It isn't. It either is or it isn't. I don't think it is that weird. Okay, I, I think it's You don't it's have weird. an antagonist for, for an hour into the film almost. Halfway the movie, you don't have any antagonist. You need someone to kind of drive I guess. some conflict. I guess, okay. Um, so it's, okay, it's not weird. How's that? 
I think it's weird, but that's fine. Oh, you, okay. I think it'd be strange if you don't have any antagonist for an hour of a film. Um, uh, I liked Corey Feldman in this. He's good. He's yeah, not, he is good. Cra- is his first major film role? Right. He was doing commercials before. Yeah. Right. He, uh, he wasn't crazy yet, so that was refreshing <laughs> to yes. see. He actually seemed like a, like a normal role. Is it weird to look at someone and be like, oh, in 15 years, you're going to be crazy. He, get, he gets crazy as he goes along. So he does this, right? Yeah. He does Goonies, Goonies. And he gets a little, he gets darker. Yeah. And then he does Stand By Me. And that character's really, when he plays Teddy Bouchon. That's right. That's a dark character. Yep. Uh, so you can see the craziness kind of like happen like to see him in this before any of the fucking Hollywood weird bullshit Yeah, before he grows his hair and does moonwalks then yeah or just, yeah this. before they just put his claws in him like it's <laughs> nice to see it's like oh wow you, you almost like this kid probably would have been normal he, he is kind of the poster child for Hollywood fucking over kids totally yeah well, literally and figuratively yeah if you believe that documentary I know, I know I know um so uh, we, let's talk a little about Zach Galligan yeah uh, Zach Galligan uh, no uh, like a nobody and nobody uh, was in this. Um, and then he didn't do a movie for a while. Oh, he did one movie that actually was never released. Right. Let's call it now. Up top of my head. I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, I it's saw it. It's with uh, Bill Murray. Uh, and it has like, an all-star cast. Um, but it was never released. It's kind yeah. of like one of these uh, famous movies in Hollywood. Like Don Quixote with, um, uh, oh, I can't remember. With the, the Jerry the Lewis movie. Yeah. for different reasons. Uh, but th- this this was just never really released. I guess T. Ian Gillian was who I was thinking of. He was trying to do a Don Quixote and couldn't do it. Who? Uh, oh, Terry, Terry Gilliam yeah, yeah, tried yeah, it right. for years. Uh, this was actually made. It was, and, oh, they, okay. and they shelved it. Yeah. Um, and I guess at TCM Turner Classic Movies showed it like a couple years ago. I wish I had known. I would have watched it. Um, but uh, it's really hard, a really hard movie to, to see. I've, I've never seen okay. it. Okay. So he does that right around the same time. Does Gremlins and doesn't work again. I believe he went to Yale. And then he then does a movie. I think he does a movie called Waxwork, which is like a shitty horror movie. Yeah. And then he just kind of does like trashy movies the rest of the time. Well, Gremlins 2. Oh, Gremlins 2. In like 89 or something. Right. That's the only movie that was like any real acclaim besides his Waxwork. He does Waxwork 1 and And Waxwork 2. Yeah, that's right. So he's he's an interesting guy. I think he's really bright. I think he's like a a big time nerd. Yeah. I think he likes these kind of like kind of shitty sci-fi movies. Like, no, I'm not saying sci-fi shitty, but I'm saying this type of science fiction is shitty like really low grade b movies yeah. i think he enjoys doing them and i also you can see just watching this he's very um he doesn't have a wide band as an actor he's pretty yeah he, it's yeah there's not a lot going on there yeah i saw that uh, the director wanted him because of he was like in love with phoebe cates like, like immediately everyone. i mean who wasn't I mean, right right but immediately like you could tell there that chemistry there of him being infatuated with her oh then i should have been <laughs> you were too anybody young. could have been cast in that <laughs> I know, I know, I know. uh judge reinhold is in this howie mandel as the as the, uh, as the voice but judge reinhold um so judge reinhold at this time was a pretty d- not a star, but did he do Beverly Hills Cop at this point? Right when was the, the first time. one? Oh, 84. Um, yeah. And then he had, no, he'd already done Fast Times. Oh, that's, I forgot about that. Cates. A couple years before. Uh, so the reason his role was so small, actually got cut in post-production. Oh, yeah. That, there yeah. was supposed to be a lot more stuff at the bank. So the bank manager and the Judge Reinhold character were supposed to be much bigger people yeah. in this movie. And uh, it must it, the movie's already a buck 47. It's kind of long for this kind of movie. Yeah, so do so another they, they must have That must have been where they had to make the cuts. Right. Uh, but if you're Judge Reinhold, I wonder if I, I'd be a little annoyed because it almost makes you look like less of an actor because you're in kind of a, a kind of a fun, goofy movie and you have now like barely any roles. The other, one, barely was, any lines, rather. The other one was like the dad who's kind of, who was a famous, uh, I can't remember his name, f- famous country western singer who was in a, another couple yeah. movies. No, but they was cut him Boyd down Atkins, too. I think? Yes. Did they? Yeah, they did. See, I, see he looks, this is going to mean nothing to anybody, uh, but he looks just like my one of my best friends' fathers. <laughs> so he's always super believable in this because he even like, <laughs> I kinda, trust you. He even kind of talks he has like a little Is bit of accent. My friend's too? dad didn't, but like uh, doesn't, but just kind of the same mannerisms. Yeah. So I, I completely buy this character I see, every time I see him. Like, yeah. But only because he reminds me of my friend's dad. I don't think he's any great. I, I don't know. I do love that character though, the inventor. like Who invents like stupid failed shit. failed inventor. The get, bathroom buddy with the toothbrush and the shaver and the toothpaste. I love that guy. <laughs> like that stuff, that game throughout always yeah. works for me. I think that's a really fun uh, thing. I love how this movie, I'm a big fan of uh, tone change. So, um, and there's a big one. The whole movie is tone changes. Yeah. It's either a comedy and it's a heart. Yeah. And then you have this great, one of my favorite monologues ever because it's so fucking strange and weird. It's, it's Phoebe Cates. Yeah, exactly. Uh, when she's explaining how her father uh, died <laughs> so, uh, in a chimney uh, being Santa. And then like, you don't really know what to be, how to react to it. And then the very next shot is Gizmo going, oh, but oh no. Like, <laughs> yes, like, yes. it's, it's, you can't help but laugh. It's obviously played for, for laughs with, because the cutaway tells us so dark. Like her dad dies uh, trying to play Santa going down the chimney and, and they find him like four days later with a broken neck and smelling him. him. Right. It's so dark. Has, I had flashbacks. He had their gifts like in his when they took his body to the chimney. He had all their gifts in his arms. Yes, that's right. I, know. I wonder if they kept him and unwrapped him. What do you think? 
Yeah, I wanted it's that. It's my last, my last gift from. What my is dad. this? A really cool gift. It like, could have been, like, yeah, like Barbie, like or like Atari or something. Atari could have been. Some, well, I guess it was a few no, years yeah, before, yeah, right? So, so yeah, probably. Yeah, like, yeah, like a really cool. Yeah, what? A, I would have kept the gifts. Yeah, I mean, you, he wanted you to have them. Yeah, as long as they didn't like, His he wish. wasn't putrefied all over the gift or something. You might have to wash it off. Yeah, maybe, or something. Soul. But it was, uh, it was funny, and you knew it was gearing up to that because a few, see, I don't know, twenty minutes earlier, they're just kind of ri- him. They was gearing up to no, that. Not, no, no but one just, saw that coming. But it's like. She's all defensive about why she doesn't like. Yeah, well, uh, you figure maybe you like knew her, there was going to be her something. Her dad yeah. like just left or something. Out of town. You didn't think he died <laughs> in a fucking ship? It's the strangest. They fucking did go ever. really hard. They did go really hard. I there. love stuff like that. Apparently, in the second one, they make fun of that scene. Yes, uh, right. I don't remember. I know I saw, I saw but I don't remember. One, right? Yeah, I don't remember. I, don't, I, don't, I, don't, yeah. I know they went spoofy. The whole second one is, is, a, is right. It's very spoofy, which. Uh, I kind of see both sides on it. I guess that's, yeah. that's kind of it's it, all. It's a degree of taste. I don't. I don't know if that discussion is that interesting because yeah. either you like it or you don't. This uh, this movie's so weird. I wish they would have kept with the weird. I don't know if they would have been able to, but I, I wish they did, I just never. A person I just kind of wish they never made yeah, the second one. Right. You, you this don't story even itself is so bizarre and weird it's and so great. And my, I really love this movie. Okay, so I've I I shit on it a little bit, but now I want to say the stuff that endear like endears it to me. Okay. So that was uh, you shitting on, or would you? Were we, were well, no, just like just, the plot holes with Deagle and some of the other stuff. Wasn't really a plot hole with Deagle though. I don't know yeah, how to say a plot hole. You don't think so, but I do think so. Like they fucking. What's like, the where's the hole in the plot? The, no, just the hole. That, okay, it's more that she shouldn't exist. There's no purpose for it. You say there's she's a purpose. Well, as you an need antagonist. to have an antagonist. You don't have to legislate this. But you need to. Oh, well, all right, but that's not a plot hole though. That's maybe a, a bad character. Bad character. Okay, then. that's it. Okay, thank you for the well, question. Well, and and to your point, I, so I think you're wrong about Deagle. Yeah, yeah. But you're right about like the Judge Reinhold character. Yeah, that's another he one. He vanishes. Right. Yeah. So, and that that is just bad editing, really. It's well, I guess it, may, but it might have been needed though. Like there was maybe the, maybe the script was just too lengthy. Like they, they so almost it, cut out that almost cut out the whole bank thing. Like don't even give him a job. Just like get start with get you know. What you I mean? have to have him and Phoebe kind of meet cute or at least know each other. Yeah, you're cute. right. Yeah, you, you uh, I, I, she's at the bar. Though. I, 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 like I said, I'm, maybe it's some nostalgia coming through here, but I really love this movie. But if you want to make the argument, I think the Deagle character actually wraps up okay. But the Judge Reinhold well, they character. kill her off, so there is. But, 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 but they don't do nothing with Judge, right? But that that's a, that's an issue because yeah, he does right. he appears to be another villain, yeah. and then he just simply goes vanishes. away. We don't right. even know what really happens to him. Yeah. So that's a mistake. Um, so things I like. Okay. The Gremlins and Magua and uh, um, Gizmo, they look really good. Dude, they're incredible. They look so Gizmo good. Gizmo is awesome. Yeah, I mean, he's so expressive. So is, so is Stripe. Yeah, Stripe, yes. They're very expressive. Oh. They all, did, I'm, I was so impressed by that looking back that it, you could make it with those puppets now and it would be completely fine to me. Completely fine. They wouldn't though. You know what they do? They fucking use CGI Yeah, they now. would. They, and they, they, don't, so they don't even need shitty. to. I know they had to do tricks like they, uh, so uh, they wanted to make Gizmo really small so he'd be cute. So that made it more complicated, like he was breaking down a lot. And I know the crew was pissed at that. That's why they gave him the torture scene, apparently, of throwing darts at right. him because they were the crew was so, so pissed annoyed. at him. But they, they had to use some tricks. They made bigger versions of him, of him to do close-ups where he was expressive yeah, with his course. face. And, and, that's, and that's fine. That's very common back then. Yeah. They would have, like, uh, I think they did this in a never-ending story, too, but they would have, like, oh, yeah. you, you know, movies back then, we kind of talked about it a little bit with the Ghostbusters, right. but movies would use miniatures, yep. but they would also use giant versions as well for things like that. Another thing they did was, if you notice kind of the last, the third act of the movie, he spends almost the whole third act in a, uh, in a backpack. Yeah. Cause they got tired of him. Like, <laughs> yes. like what, well, you know, cause he couldn't walk <laughs> right. around. Right. You know, it was kind of an issue um, yeah. with, with mobility. I loved his personality. I mean, oh, both verbally and his oh, expressions and so same good. thing with all the gremlins. I, I just, I they found that great. so compelling. They're so funny. The costume yeah. choices are hysterical. Yes. Um, the things they have, the gremlins do are so funny. Like at the bar, like they're just, they're completely out of control. They're, yeah. Drinking beer from the town. Like, it just everything they would they're do like, was like the word. They're like extreme frat boys almost. That's that's kind of what I pictured. Were, it was like, so Mah. bizarre. Like, at one point, they put on like, it's like they, they're at the bar and they play like a slower song. And there's just like yes. one like smoking a cigar, like having <laughs> yeah, some yeah. gin. You're like, what is, like, what? I don't want to hear that gremlin story. Like, what's his backstory? That's the other thing is if liquid fucking is going to make them turn, you know, going to make them spawn others, how can they, how are they drinking all this alcohol? And they're not spawning. They're not spawning. What was it got to get on their back or something? It's just in their face. Well, they have to drink just something. Water. Anyway. Just water. So one thing I have an issue with. The three rules are kind of ridiculous. I don't. The two of them, I don't. I, I can kind of. Like after midnight. Okay. Until when? Until when? Until the sun comes. Like, tell me have, when. I wish they just could have. After midnight until the sun comes up. I wish yeah, they just something. added until the sun comes up. Right. But you know what? In my mind, they do add that. I mean, it's fine. It's fine. I'd I probably give this movie too much of a pass. Yeah. But I grew up with it. 
I re- and I know it's not really a reason to like something. I, I get that. But this is a movie that I, I cherish. I well, mean, it's such an original it's idea. It's so original. It's so creative. It's so wild. Yeah. It's, so, it's so cruel. It's yeah. very mean-spirited. It's yeah. nasty. It's a nasty film. <laughs> and I think it's great. I, I love stuff like that. I love when it's cruel and mean, and but yet funny. And it has like a... And I, I love the ending. They don't deserve Gizmo. They do not deserve him. Yeah, they take him, they take him away. Yeah. And uh, if you notice, Bill doesn't even get to say goodbye to him. I know he doesn't. I would have fought... If I were him, that character, I would have fought for him. Gizmo like says a, goodbye to him, but Bill does. doesn't get to say goodbye yeah, to Gizmo. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Um, and I, they, don't des- they don't deserve him. They and do I, not. I, I think that's a completely fair way to do it. And um, then, to be fair... I was a little kid who said, here are the three rules, and then, you know, and, and so it's hard to take that little kid seriously, but I think. But the, the, Billy didn't know a little kid said it. The dad That's said true. It, yeah, you're and right. And he still fucked it up three times. He did. <laughs> it was funny. I, I really I really enjoy this movie. It's ultra creative. I love tone changes. Uh, in, um, there's a movie, uh, is there, uh, Sopranos, popular yeah, yeah, show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I'm going to tell a quick Sopranos season uh for spoiler, so if you uh, haven't seen season four, maybe skip ahead a minute or two. No, just listen. Just take the spoiler. You deserve the spoiler if you no, haven't seen no, that. No, I now. don't like spoilers, so right. yeah, I try not to do that. So, uh, and I will, I will fight this on this. So, okay. uh, yeah. So if you uh, haven't watched season four and you want to, skip ahead for about three minutes. Okay. So uh, the, the episode where Ralphie Cifaretto dies. Yeah. The first half episode is kind of played for laughs. His kids are doing like, archery stuff, and it's like a really mm. odd like movie that kind of seems like go- episode's going nowhere. And then it, it does get kind of sad because you do kind of feel bad for Alfie because yeah. like he actually is feeling bad about his kid in this archery accident. And then it completely shifts. And when it shifts, they actually even shut the music off on the rest of the episode. Huh. Like after he has the fight with Tony and then he dies. Then from the rest of the movie, there's no more music. And they like the sound changes in it, and the whole hmm. tone of the entire episode changes. And I love when they can kind of pull the carpet from under you, yeah. And everything shifts yeah. hard. And this movie does that like so many times. You feel like a roller coaster. It yeah, shifts one to the other. Like, is it funny? Am I scared? Is it like, am I sad for Billy? Am I angry? Like, you don't know how to feel. Even going from like the bustle of that Chinatown at night scene to the snowy, like the, the you know the snowy downtown of their little their little town well, it's so in picturesque. Middle America. It makes you think yeah. one thing, and then it's something completely different is happening. Absolutely. All right, yeah. so no more. Yeah, uh, that's it for Soprano Spoilers. You can come, come back. Come uh, uh, Oh, the other thing I wanted to say is um, my good friend Michael Sembello is back again. Uh, he was, if you remember, he was the composer, uh, writer, and and um, I think he also produced it and performed Maniac in uh, uh, in Footloose. Okay. He's a maniac. Yeah, yeah. We talked about it, like yeah, I, yeah. me loving that song. Yeah. He wrote uh, he wrote a song, uh, Mega Madness, that plays in that bar scene where they're all did, like breakdancing. Make go madness doop doop doo doo it's like a really bizarre weird song but it's it's pretty cool and i, I as soon as i heard that when i was uh, watching it last night i'm like that's fucking michael sambello strikes again i love this motherfucker and you i know uh obviously we talked about howie mandel being Gizmo, yeah but your voice actor you I, like so you much saw it. stripe you saw it i did yeah it was uh the guy who did this who did the snake in anaconda that's right is, he's stripe right did stripe in this one too but how about uh, that i put his name in here somewhere but michael winslow he was from police academy he's the black guy does all the yes. crazy voices he's yep. like crazy crazy fun to watch do the voices and stuff. yeah he did a bunch of the different gremlins did he really yeah that's pretty fun that is fun um, uh so i don't know if there's anything left to say i mean i like i in the beginning my preamble was i think i forgive i forgive this movie some of the faults that I found a lot more than I would others because it's so original and the gremlins are so cool to look at. It's it's a cool, it's a cool film. I love this movie an insane amount. It's going to, uh, I have, I'm going to have this be my third favorite movie. No shit. Yeah. I love this movie. So number one is ghost special. Number two, still Moneyball, And number three will be gremlins. So I like, wow. I like this movie more than last crusade. I'm sure I'll get shit for that. I'm not saying it's a better movie. It's you just Last like it more. Crusade is, it's a better shot film. You know, but I enjoy this movie. It really inspired a lot, a lot of spinoffs too. I mean, between like critters and ghoulies yeah. and like, it just, it seemed like right after there, there were a ton of these type, and they all were greenish creatures of similar size too. It was kind of funny. Definitely inspired a lot of stuff. Munchies, I think was another one. I don't remember that one. Yeah, whatever. Can we talk uh, a little uh, Columbus and Dante? Yeah, let's do that. Okay, so... Uh, Dante is the director of this film. Yep. Columbus wrote it. Right. So I want to talk about the two different career paths they took. One guy kind of stuck to his thing that he loved. He didn't chase the dollars as mm. much. One guy chased the money. So let's talk about the guy who chased the money first. Got some more Hollywood track. That's Chris Columbus. He wrote this. Yeah. So Columbus writes this and then follows it up with The Goonies. He also writes a movie called Young Sherlock Holmes. And then he, But yeah. he always wanted to direct. Yep. So then uh, in 87, they let him direct uh, Adventures in Babysitting. Right. Um, and then he uh, directed uh, and wrote a movie called Heartbreak Hotel, which wasn't a big hit. I don't but, know. Uh, and then he got a script in 1990 from John Hughes, 
Home Alone. And there it goes. And then it, it all went. And then yeah. it, it's funny how some guys, when they get rich, then um, they just get, they need to get richer. I don't like, I mean, it sounds simple, I guess, but it, you, I, 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 maybe because I'm not rich, I would think if I already had money, then that would give me creative freedom. Part of it's competitive. Like the dollars are right. an actual objective criteria. You could say, okay, it was this successful. You can measure it. So then you want to beat it. How do it. I top that? Yeah, and you want to beat it. I, I just, I never get that. So then he does Only the Lonely, which he writes and directs, which is a, that's with John Candy. Yeah, I yeah, believe. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. And uh, that's a personal piece for him. Uh, and then he does Home Alone. He directs Home Alone 2, Lost in New York, which right. is a complete money grab. He directs Mrs. Doubtfire, yep. which, all right, we, it's not that's for me, right. but that's fine. He writes and directs a movie called Nine Months. That's the movie where Arnold Schwarzenegger gets pregnant. Is that? No, no, no. This is Hugh Grant. Hugh Grant gets Twins is, uh, is no, Arnold Schwarzenegger. No, Nine Months is with... No, Nine Months with Hugh Grant and... Um, and uh, what's her name? Um, yeah, Julia from Missing Julia, no, Julia Roberts. No, no. Nine Months is with Arnold Schwarzenegger getting pregnant. We'll have to look at it, we'll but I'm pretty, right I'm pretty no, sure I'm right. We're, we're putting this on pause. Uh, I want you to look that up. Uh, I'll talk about his next movie, which is... Uh, Wait, okay. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's not that exciting. Yeah, it's Stepmom, which he, he directs. That's with Julia Roberts. Uh, Nine Months, I believe, is the Arnold Schwarzenegger gets pregnant movie. That's called Twins. No. It's, I'm not sure he's not it's not twins. twins. No, he's he's a not twin present. with No, you're right. He's in twin and twins. Right, right. Hugh Grant, Julianne Moore, Robin Williams, jo- Joan Cusack, Tom Arnold, Jeff Goldblum. What is it about? Fuck. What movie does Jordan get pregnant? Okay, we're back on. So nine months is when successful child psychologist and one-time playboy Samuel Faulkner, who is Hugh Grant, hears that his girlfriend Rebecca Julianne Moore is pregnant. He panics as Faulkner's crippling fear of commitment sets in. Rebecca decides to leave him. When is Arnold Schwarzenegger? I, then I'm wrong. When, no, there is one. I can't. I can't remember the. You're right, though. He does get pregnant in one. I forget. I don't know why I think it's twins, but it's not. I don't, I don't know. No, because that's with Don, that's with right. Danny DeVito. I remember now. But you're Fuck. right. All right, that's, so that, that's at least not as much of a money grab. I'll give Columbus a, a best pass on that. It's still not good. It's still I, not good. I, I, yeah. Right. Yeah. All right. I'll give him a pass. He actually he produced, wrote, and directed that. It's like a personal. So I'll give him a pass that one. He follows it up with Stepmom with Julia Roberts. Which okay. Is, oh, yeah, I remember that. She which, comes into a family. Yeah, which... It, that's not a Richard Gere. Another Richard, no, Richard Gere. Gear, but, but, it's, but it's his second it's like, divorce movie. Mrs. Doubtfire. Yeah, you can yeah, see yeah. there's like, something there. And then he follows it up with uh, one of the Steve Robinson classic... Oh, I, th- I saw this. Bicentennial Man. Which he directed. Cream he not, of the he fucking crop. That. I know. That's, that movie what? is terrible. You didn't even write that and you directed that? What the well, fuck m- are you doing? My, oh, oh yeah, I guess... I mean... Money, but did it did it make it i didn't no it didn't matter you take you don't because robin not williams paid. And, i mean you yeah. probably get some sort of percentage but mm-hmm. i mean he he did produce it so i'm sure he definitely yeah. wants on the back end but yeah. uh and then he does you know harry potter and the sorcerer's stone he does two harry potters right the chamber of secrets right and then he even sticks around he actually was asked to do the third one he declined because he had, said he hadn't seen his kids in forever <laughs> so uh he right. he declined and he actually stayed on as a producer for the third one and then he then walked away uh, from the series, but uh, so I mean, the money he must have got from that point. I'm and sure. then at that point, then he does. He's directed. Uh, he directed that Percy Jackson and the Olympians. It was a kids movie. Yeah, I never saw that. And then like, uh, oh, he directed Rent, which didn't didn't quite work. I film. fucking hate that musical, so I would never see that film. And then, then kind of just petered off from there. Oh, he did Pixels though. Oh, I'm sorry. You're, you're <laughs> just, right, the last movie. That's the last thing he directed was not Pixels good either. Um, which is, I did see what, it. Adam Sandler, right? Yeah, Adam Sandler, yeah, sort of video game ish. And uh, then, I mean, that is like the epitome of money grab, right? Yeah, it is. Yeah. I mean, and you yeah. can just see this as a guy that maybe didn't stick to his, I, I don't think, I mean, I don't think he uses power to make his own movies aside from, you know, maybe we can make a case for this nine months movie that I'm misremembering <laughs> and, uh, and the other movie only the lonely. But other than that, he didn't really write anymore. Yeah. He's kind of directed like bicentennial man type movies or blockbusters. Right. You're right though. Before Home Alone, it's better. I actually I like Adventures in Babysitting. Me too. I probably kill. Okay, good. I figured you'd kill me for no, that. But that no, that movie has a real has a real like heart to it. Like you, no one leaves here unless they sing the blues. Like I fucking. I, I, it's I, not it's, like the, it's not a craft of great art, but there's a soul that there movie is. Yeah, that is lost in those other movies. And maybe it's Harry Potter people are like oh Harry Potter. It's, you know, I'm cool with Harry Potter, but you don't like life. fantasy, so it's I get whatever. It. Yeah, I don't think though. I mean, those movies. J.K. Rowling, very creative person. Very creative. I don't think Chris Columbus directing these movies is the epitome of creativity. And I don't think that's what a guy in his stature should be doing Yeah, when you have basically carte blanche to do whatever you want. You have enough money you can do whatever that's you want. That's true. He could have directed a small movie that maybe means a lot to him personally. I doubt, I doubt Harry Potter means a lot to him personally. Telling you it's the objective criteria of the dollars, the people in seats. Well, it does Joe it. Dante, who we're going to talk about now, totally different. says, fuck you, man. Artiste, bitch. Uh, so he is a big fan of horror, schlocky, 1950s kind of Comedy movies. Comedy horror, yeah. Uh, that's what he loves. So he starts his career with Piranha, which is, the, I guess, don't I, think I've, I've seen it, but never yeah. seen it. it came out in 78. Never, yeah. I haven't seen it. And it is The Howling in 81, which I saw years ago. I probably saw like, it too. I mean, like, yeah. 25, 30 years ago. 
Uh, and it's a, it's a werewolf movie. It's, yeah. uh, and then he follows that with, uh, he had, he, he got, the, it was a movie called Twilight's on the movie. Yep. Which had a spiel. Is that Lithgow in that? Lithgow's on the in one? that. That's the movie where someone died. Um, it oh, was shit. Jennifer Jason Lee's father died. Right. I can't believe I'm flaking on his name. I'm, I'm, I'm embarrassed. But John Landis directed this, this yeah, movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there was lawsuits. People felt Landis was at, because it wasn't just uh, the guy that died. It was Vic Morrow who died. Okay. Vic Morrow died. And he, there were two kids who died in a helicopter with him. And the helicopter Fuck. was flying perilously low. Like, there was a lot of, like, legal, like there was, I'm surprised that movie came out. Me too. And the whole, that sequence, not the sequence where he dies, but that sequence is in there. You can see Vic Morrow's, like, last... You know, days of shooting. It, it's the very first one that, in the movie. Yeah. Um. So you had uh, the plane one is the one that's like stuck in my mind. And I don't remember oh, that was. I can't um, remember. Lithgow's not in that one. No, Lithgow's in that one. Oh, is he? He's in the plane he's one, the right? Plane and one. there's a gre- kind of a gremlin type yeah, creature. I'm forgetting on the way off here right now who directed yeah, that yeah. one. But uh, and uh, but uh, still etched in my mind. Dante got one of them. Yeah. Kind of. The, I think one of the weaker ones. It was one where it's like a uh, mom is um kind of taken over. Uh, kind of under the control of a boy with too much power, which mm. is a common theme in the Twilight Zone series. Oh, okay. Um, but but it was kind of cool that he got to like ask the party because it was a lot of big time. Sure. It's George Romero. But it was like four basically giant horror directors were or big Working time supernatural. Together to do this thing, yeah. You know, Spielberg directed one. So, uh, and then after that, he fought it with Gremlins. Yep. And then he did Explorers. Which I really like Explorers too. <laughs> Explorers was a box office bomb. Was it a bomb? But um, I think it cost about 25 to make and it made like nine or 10. Um, but uh, it, it has a cult following now, partly because the cast. You had River Phoenix, Ethan right. Hawk. Yep. yep. Um, and then I think the story is pretty creative. Yeah. Uh, and it was uh, interesting. He he's usually more Dante's passion though isn't space stuff. It's more horror. Yeah. Um. So then he follows that with uh, with inner space. Right. We talked about another before, like one. cult favorite. It yep. kind of holds up pretty well. Yeah. The effects don't, but the movie does. Um. And then he. Uh, does the burbs, right. which is what he wants to do. So now he's now he has a little bit of clout in Hollywood because uh, Explorers didn't work, but Interspace did. Yep. So he's like, I want to do these kind of movies. So he follows it with the burbs, which is a basically the the gre- same kind of vein yep. as the Gremlins. Yeah. Um, which is like a schlocky horror movie that's really funny and interesting and unique and creative and could have, you know, th- you saw those kind of movies in like 1957 or 58 with the, the blob, those kind of movies yeah. that had like played hard, but this only with the comedic twist that you would find in the 80s. And you got Tom Hanks. I can't remember who the neighbor is in the Burbs. Oh, I forgot the guy's yeah, name. But Tom, Tom yeah, but Tom is in it. Yeah. Uh, Tom Hanks is in it. Yeah. Uh, Carrie Fisher's in it. Yeah, that's uh, right. Too. Bruce Stern. Yeah. Um, Gremlins 2, the new batch. Um, this was a money grab. They kind of knew as much. They play it as that. It's an odd, it's very meta. Yeah. It doesn't work for me 100%. Yeah. Um, but it was a, it's a, I'll give Joe John to this. It's a creative way to do it. He could have just done Gremlins, uh, you know, two, like a straight story, a new adventure, same or whatever. Thing. Yeah, oh right. But he yeah. did it for. He's like, you know what? I want to do that. I want to do something different with it. Make a yeah. basically make a comedy about it. Make a comedy about sequels and how they are money grabs. So I respect the effort. He follows that with Matinee, which I think is the ultimate Joe Dante movie. Have you seen this with John Goodman? I don't think so. It's about um, it's about a movie theater in I think Miami, yeah. right during the Cuban Missile Crisis, and people are freaking out. And Shit. then yeah. And, uh, and do they play it straight or is it goofy too? Is there a comedic? Oh, it's comedic. It's okay. all done with a wink. And I believe, yeah. And then I, and then I think it gets into like a horror yeah, element yeah, yeah. at that point. Yeah. But that, I believe that's where it takes place. Uh, and then he follows it with small soldiers, which is probably the one time mm-hmm. he kind of did take the money, which was a little disappointing. Oh, right. Small soldiers. Yes, 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 yes. I never saw that, but I know, I know the premise. Small soldiers, uh, made money, but it was not a success. So we kind of this a little bit, uh, I think during our Rocky five rewatch we did. Okay. Um, which is some movies are tent pole movies. So even though it may make more than it was supposed, than it cost to make, it's still a box office bomb. Yep. Because you would bank so much money, effort, marketing, and you also set aside the calendar to put this movie right. on there. Yep. So if it just blocked something else, it, a prime spot. Right. So they did that with small soldiers. And I was, I believe I was working at McDonald's at the time. I believe McDonald's had, right. When did it come out? 90. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and it, I believe it had like a lot of toys. It was a it huge, did. it was a big deal. Yep. Like, I don't know. I'll say like, two, three weeks before the movie came Maybe more. No, I think it was more than that. It's a few, maybe a month or two before the movie came out. Phil Hartman, who's in the movie, gets killed by his wife. Oh, that's what... Oh, shit. Yeah. And I it, didn't know that Phil was in that movie. And it didn't tank the movie completely, but it definitely had a dark cloud over it. Of course it, it and does. people were just like, yeah. I don't know if I want to see this. Yeah, that's terrible. And, uh... And it didn't. It didn't work. Like they, I think they wanted this to be like a franchise. Yeah. And it just kind of... Yeah, like out. Toy Story or something. Uh, and, uh... And then he he does uh, Looney Tunes, and then he takes five years off. I don't know if the I don't know if all that kind of set him back a bit, but he was just like 
Maybe. Joe Dante must have been. You know, that's got to be tough. Yeah. And he does Looney Tunes back in action, which is uh, probably a money grab. If you want to say it's a money grab, that's fine. It also does a bomb. So yeah. Movie didn't right, work. right, yeah. Had Brendan Fraser. He had like a, it wasn't just a cartoon. It was like a Roger Rabbit type situation. Yeah, I got you. You had a you have real life in cartoon. And ever since then, he's done like Slocky movies, the whole movie about the whole, burying the X about <laughs> yes. like kind of a, another horror type. He likes doing these kind of like all with comedic tastes. You can right. see, but he never quite sold out. I guess you could make a case for small soldiers. But that still had like kind of a dark element to it. These soldiers come. It's like little GI Joe's yeah, come yeah, to life. Yeah, come to life, right? Um, but he never quite did that, like the Harry Potter. He kind of always stuck to his guns. I kind of respect. I do respect Joe Dante's career path more than Chris Columbus. It's definitely more of an artistic path. It's absolutely, a much more interesting path. To yeah, me. of course. Yeah. Um, I and he like great example of like Gremlins too. He could have done what they did Home Alone too, which is remake the movie. Yeah, that is a complete copy it's a xerox the first one right he didn't do a gremlins 2 and not only it works but no it didn't work but he tried trying. something right he tried Home something two sucks yeah it this does. movie like is void of creativity yeah so that's it so i mean i, I I'm, a, I'm a joe dante guy or what are you are you more columbus guy or no a dante i'm more guy? of a dante guy yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah i would always choose the art of the rich <laughs> right yeah soon my friend <laughs> sure um okay Any, anything that's else on the I movie got. stuff i mean plenty of stuff on the watch the gremlins if you have, watch gremlins if you haven't seen it um it's a great holiday film too you can watch it around the mistletoe with your families I do. Actually, do? Yeah, it's yeah, one of the movies we watched for Christmas. Yeah, all right. So I, I just checked my phone. I figured it out. The Arnold Schwarzenegger movie is called Junior. When he's oh, pregnant. Junior. That, I don't, the yeah. reason you thought it was twins, I think, I'm going to give you a, a lifeline here. I love a pass. Because it's with Danny DeVito. It's the second one and with DeVito. And Emma Thompson. Ivan Reitman directed it. Same guy. Oh, really? Ghostbusters. That's crazy. Junior. I, I conflate those movies, I guess. I so junior, I well, I conflated Junior in nine months. You did. There you go. We both get a pass. I agree. Can we move on to the song? Let's do that. All right. So the song that we're talking about in this episode is Time After Time Great by, song. yeah, by Cindy Lauper. Um, we both agree. Yeah, we talked about this earlier too. Like we both agree with this song is amazing. Um, so Time After Time is the second single off her debut album as a solo artist. She was an artist. She was in a band before called like Blue Angel. They released a record, but it did not sell at all. And their manager ended up like suing her for $80,000. She went to bankruptcy. Oh no. Crazy stuff. Okay. Um, well, it costs a lot to, and not anymore, but it used to cost a lot to make a record. Yeah. So what I'm thinking is that was fronted money to make the record. Sure. And the manager was probably stuck with it. And so, you know, whatever went after Cindy, but so she was just singing songs in nightclubs in New York was found by a producer and, you know, decided to make this record. So she's so unusual is the name of this record. The first single off of it was, um, was girls just want to have fun. Of course. And we talked about this before too, but the the audience didn't hear, so I'm just going to say it again. Um, the reason the the record company wanted time after time to be the the released like first single because they recognized too it was just such a beautiful song as it is. But Cindy Lauper didn't want to be pigeonholed as like a sort of a ballad softer song girl, so she decided that she wanted to do a rockier one first. Okay. She really pushed them hard in order to get girls just want to have fun out. Um, funny. Did you know that girls just want to have fun as a cover too? No. Some guy wrote it in the late seventies and released it as kind of a punk tune. It's interesting. Yeah, it is. Yeah. It, is. Right, yeah. Oh, okay. it was from oh. a guy's perspective. I listened to it today. I didn't really get into the lyrics right. too much, but, um, I, it's, it's actually, it's really interesting. He all tweeted out. It's, it'll, it'll be yeah, out this week that. too. Yeah, so yeah, that people good. can hear it, but it's kind of cool, but I love her version of that. And this album is awesome. There's like four, yeah. uh, top five songs. This album is huge. It, yeah, it sold, let's see, the single, so Time After Time sold, uh, it sold, oh, the album sold 16 million copies. This was her first number one hit. She got a Grammy nomination for Time After Time, um, sold 2 million copies. Like, this right was her then. first number one hit? This was her first number Not one. Not Girls Wanna Have Fun? No, it didn't, it got close, I can't remember if it got huh. to two or oh, something, but this right. one hit one. Uh, this, this basically kept, um, Kept dancing in the dark out of the number one spot. Oh, that's basically right. what yeah. happened. You, you had this. That's kind of like what happened with the, Ghostbusters Gremlins. Ghostbusters right. kept Gremlins out of the top spot. Right. So maybe this song was just a little bit more um, attainable for for like a wider audience than Dancing in the Dark because it was such kind. That was kind of a departure for for um, you know I for Bruce. Be, but whatever. I, I don't know. It was a pretty whatever. wide audience for both. It, it did. I, I think it did. This is the same thing with the movies. <laughs> you just have. Uh, just a glut of like a lot of good stuff. Yeah. So girls just want to have fun time after time. She bop was the top five as well, which was a girl mm-hmm. masturbation song yeah. and all through the night, which is another beautiful song. I really like this album and really like this. It's song. a great album. Yeah. So she wrote it with mu- a musician called uh, named Rob Hyman. Um, she, they were hooked up because of the producer that, that found her. He was kind of a touring artist already doing the club scene. Did he ever go broke? And, 
I don't think he ever went broke. No, because he then signed on with her so and no, they rocket so, moved. So no one broke the hymen? That's not where I thought you were going with that. <laughs> and no. Okay. <laughs> God ask. damn it. I thought you were making joke about uh, her going bankrupt. No. But no, no, no. It was the stupid four. I'm saying it a great joke. <laughs> we'll find out. Um, anyway, so they wrote this song together and you can hear him in the back. He's singing the, it's, it's an interesting song because it's definitely time after time. It's her perspective. She's talking about a breakup, um, a kind of a breakup. She's talking about basically feeling like she's not worthy of being loved and someone waiting for her, but kind of letting her go do her thing and maybe she'll come back to him type of, type of situation. But, and, but it's interesting in that context because he is singing the background. He's yeah. singing the, the, um, the harmony vocal okay. the, to it. Yeah. So it's neat that it's sort of a couple song, even though it's from her perspective. A lot of times, like I know I'm conscious of it when I write music. Uh, so if I am talking from the first person perspective, I usually don't want to have like my wife's voice in the background on that song with me because I just don't think it's contextually right. Okay. But if I sing it from a third person or, you know, more abstract, then I do like having having male and female. I, I try to think about perspective in the song. And so I thought this was an interesting one because it's there's she's sort of making it a couple's song by having him in there. Um, he played the cool guitar. On this too, the the song is really sparse. Uh, again, and this is kind of a common theme that we're this week because we had the Prince song and we've got uh, Dancing in the Dark. And, cry. Right. These are all very like simple songs, um, very simple dumb, uh, drum beat, some keyboards. But they're all classic. And they're all classic and wonderful. Yeah. yeah. And I know, and I've said this a few times too, I rail on songs that are simple and easy and that don't take any chances, but some people can just do it so well. This is definitely, she has an unusual voice. Oh, I was going to say, her voice is, is incredible. It's so, incredible, and it's so it's got a lot of character. She's very talented too, and I don't want to say sometimes when you say character, you think of like fucking Hole or like Nirvana or something. No, I mean she's got a lot of character. It's unique, but she also has a lot of prowess and skill. It's she, beautiful. So Jay Leno, who he's no great, you know, qualifier of taste, <laughs> but yeah, Cindy Lauper, uh, True Colors is his favorite song. Oh, that's my favorite of hers too. By yeah, the way, this I, is a close great. second. Uh, yeah, and, I love uh, that song. So like at the end of the, like, the first time he left before he went back, yeah, fuck Conan O'Brien in the ass. Uh, he had her come and do like one of his last shows because he loves he goes to yeah. that songs, man. Yeah, hey, you know, Cindy, you want to come? Uh, you want to come do a show? <laughs> Very similar do, voices do, do between the two, kind of. Yeah, <laughs> um, she has an amazing voice, so that's part of what makes it cool. The also the other thing is, um, it's I just love. I, I guess I'm kind of a sucker for keyboard uh, driven music as well. You know, with uh, uh, with like just all three of the songs that we covered this week yeah. as well. They're very synth, kind of synth heavy. Um, and it's neat too, song construction wise. You hear very soft um, pad synths or like there's, there's sort of different tonalities with, with, uh, with synthetic music. You've got, you've got sort of the string, which is a softer sound. You've got like a brass sound, like a bellier sound, a vocal, uh, like a human voice sound. Um, or like a reedy sound, like a you know a vibrating piece of wood sound. Basically, that that's kind of the the four different tracks of synthesis. So the softer one is the is the string synthesis, and that's what's in the verses. And you get the reedier one in the chorus. Um, I love like I love how she does that, or they do that, and they layer it. I love the guitar work too. It's it's um it's very reminiscent of uh, of the police of everything she does she does everything every little thing she does is ma yeah. uh, magic. It's a if you ever. It's hard to describe, but um, Andy Summers, I believe the guitar player's name, used a lot of chorus on the guitar. It's a very distinct sound, and it has that quality with delay on on the on the guitar here as well. It's so cool, and he's just sort of he's sort of like picking out the chords a little bit. And the bass is weird too. It's different. It's like this swing. It, it does this like boo doo doo doo, boo doo 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 type of thing. Like uh, the, he'll hold like a like a, a note for a while, and then he'll do that little swing thing. It, it's it's just a neat construction, the whole thing. And then so the other part of it too is it's when we in the rap album. I can't remember which rap song we were talking about, but we were talking about slow jams and how if you do kind of halftime beats, then you can rap twice as fast over it. It's sort of the opposite with this song. Who's Chameleon Air? Chameleon Air, right, right, yeah. Um, it's sort of the opposite with this one where you have the tempo is kind of faster. It's 130 beats per minute two, but more than two beats a second, okay. a little faster, but she's got a slow, it allows her to do slower, like vocals, like more longer hold, holding the notes, longer vocals over it. It's, it's the opposite of, of that. It's a, it's a cool little dichotomy of, of how the beat is. So you kind of think to yourself, this is a slow song, like it's a slow dance song, right? 
but not really. It's it is sort of an up tempo song. It's just the way her vocals are that make it make it kind of like soft and elongated. Um, has the clock trick uh, clicking and the drums too. It's a rim shot on the snare. It's like that's happening on it, which sounds like a, you know time after time. It's it's sort of a, a oh, nod okay. to that. It's yeah. really cool. Little it's those details that I love in music when you just you just put in those little details that give me something something interesting. Um, and then I think, yeah, I think that's it in terms of song construction. Uh, perspective. This, this movie has the Goonies mm. connection we talked about, or not? That, she, she has a Goonies connection right there. But like, so so does Gremlins. Yeah, so it all yeah, kind yeah, of ties yeah, yeah. together. So Joe, uh, does she do the music for so, Goonies? What happens? So uh, a couple things. Yeah. So first off, we have Chris Columbus who also wrote Gremlins, wrote right, Goonies. Right, right, right. Corey Feldman is in Gremlins, also yes. in Goonies. Yes. And then Cindy Lauper is actually in a couple things. So uh, Girls Want to Have Fun is playing. Remember when they tie up. Uh, Josh Brolin to the chair. Yes. That song is playing. And then also she made a song for the movie called Goonies are the letter R good enough, which the name is so stupid. Yeah. But the song is actually good. I don't think I know it. And uh, maybe if I heard it, I would recognize it. I, I've said before, I, I believe that that is the, uh, the biggest gap between song name and song quality. Yeah. Is Goonies <laughs> are good enough. It sounds like the dumbest song ever, but it's actually a pretty good song. I'll, to, I'll go listen to it after this. Yeah, I, I, I can't um, remember it. <laughs> but yeah, so this has this has, but she does have it. Of course, they're playing girls. Just uh, just want to have fun. Yeah, when yeah. They tie him up. Uh, so th- it's funny how all of these things do have kind of that repeating. You know, these people kind of all do work. I know City Opera kind of came in. Yeah. She wasn't involved with Gremlins, obviously. But it's kind of funny how all these like I don't know creative people all kind of just came together at the right yeah. time. Maybe that explains why this period in time is for so us good. We both feel this is a very yeah. culturally relevant time. Yeah. And uh, it is all these great minds that seem to be kind of coming together and colliding at once. And it's really fun. The funny thing too is normally I would think I, I would chalk it up more to, or at least lean in the direction that that's nostalgia, but we're really too young at this point for this to be nostalgic for us. I mean, we've seen no, these things. No, it's not. For, you not don't for think me. so? No, I mean, Gremlins, it, remember, yeah, I'm too young to remember it in the theaters. That's what I mean. But this was like in every fucking, every... You know, HBO was running this all the time. It was. Every birthday party you'd go to. But it happened know, after. That's sleepover. what I'm saying. Like, by the time we got to it, it was, it was a different cultural kind of time. Four kind of. and five and six. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Gremlins, you know, these are movies that are kind of, honestly, geared to us, but we could really enjoy them. Totally, but I just don't girls feel like I was... Girls want to have fun. I remember, so I had a neighbor across the street that she was a big fan of Madonna. Yeah. And, but there was a big debate. I don't remember this. They were either Madonna people... Or, or they were Cindy Lauper people. The punk or Cindy, Cindy uh, Lauper people. There were two people. And, you know, I was thinking about this on the way over here. I'm like, you know what? Goes back to our Dante versus Columbus. Who would you rather be? I'd much rather, at this point in my life, I'd much rather be Cindy Lauper. 100%. She's like a much happier person. Totally. Agree. I don't think being an icon is a great thing. No. And she got to do a, a hit Broadway musical, you know, Kinky Boots. She's had a number of big hits. You know, Kinky Boots won Tony's. Like, there's a, yeah, it's, I it's saw a that. legit yep. fucking Broadway show. Right. And she's done, you know, she's, she's, Famous, but not, I think, so famous it gets weird. Uh, and you, you see Madonna, and she, Madonna's like just an insane person now. And you're like, oh, it's kind of a tragic yeah, figure almost. It is. You look at what happened with Prince and Michael Jackson. Like, that's not how I, I know. Cindy Lauper no. seems like as crazy as she was in the 80s. Like, oh, no, she's actually kind of relatable. And I can kind of yeah. like, that seems like a really kind of cool person to go have a drink with. I can't imagine having a drink with Madonna. This no. person's a psychopath. No. But I, Cindy Lauper to me, is that someone that's like, oh, wow, I, I kind of... Be, I don't know. I have this weird respect for her in a way. Totally. Just because like, I just kind of like how she carries herself. I love how she's never really gotten in trouble. She just seems like a cool person. She does. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, she was a little older too when she hit the fame. I think Madonna helps? was really young where this album came out. I think Cyndi Lauper was like 30. It that was helps. Like, I think right, a lot. Right then. So, you know, yeah, I think it, you're more I wouldn't mature. want to be, I can't imagine, I mean, being famous at all, but imagine being famous in your 20s, you your being 20. in your 30s. I know. That's a big difference. It is a big difference. Yeah, you're not very well adjusted at that point, I don't think. Um, yeah, so that's kind of it. I mean, we both love that song. It's it's a great one. And this album is really great, too. If, you, if you're younger and you haven't heard this album, go, go check it out. It's not yeah. like It's not like a rock you know, you're going to rock out, you know, it's not like a Van Halen album. No, but it's very interesting and it's beautiful and she's, it's, oh. It's great to have on, like if you're making dinner, yeah, this is a great album to have on. You're, by the end, by the time you're done cooking, you're gonna be singing along with it before you know it. It's, it's just it's, it's true. It's good stuff. I said she won the Grammy for uh, for this, but she also um, the packaging of the the record. Okay, won, yeah, won which won was a, a big Grammy deal as well. back then. I, yeah, I didn't I didn't 
even really think that that existed, but yeah. So that won an award as well. Yeah, I did. That, that won a Grammy, right? Record albums. Chain. I remember being a kid, I, and I don't remember this too. But you get CD. I mean, we had CDs. Record albums so cool because they're so much bigger. So bigger. Yeah. But I mean, you, cause, you know, we didn't have the internet yet. Right. You would just like stare at the record albums for like hours. Oh, I would just like look at the and look at the liner notes. And just, I remember I would spend. I just pour over this stuff. I remember uh, Thriller. Like you opened it up oh like a God. book and you would read it. And it's 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 Michael Jackson. I think he's in. He's got like a tiger with him or something. Yeah. Something crazy. And yeah, reading all the liner notes and. Uh, it was, so cool. to it. Yeah, it was almost like looking at art, especially when you're that age. You know, yeah. I don't know about you, but I didn't go to a lot of museums. I mean, no, no I, 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 I was too young. I didn't really appreciate it, but I appreciated my art, my, my music, my records, and Absolutely. my tapes, and my, especially my CDs. I just, I would pour over them. Yeah, we should probably move on. I know um, we're, we're getting a little long on the tooth here. I know you got some stories you want to do. I do. First and- I do. I have some stories. Yeah, uh, it's funny when we. Just a quick aside. This yeah. is gonna be a long episode. This is gonna be a long episode, folks. So it's, it's just long. it's fine. It's what it's, when I sat down, I'm like, hey, Matt, this probably one's gonna be a little short. <laughs> That's I think. always the case. But I mean, when we're talking about things we are passionate about, like a great song and a great movie. Yeah. These episodes are just gonna go long when we're talking about you know whatever uh, Poseidon. This is not a lot. No, I mean we can shit on it and for a little bit, but like after that gets kind of. Kind of gets I think I just think when we're passionate about it, unfortunately. There's 84. I don't know. That's fortunate, unfortunate. Yep. They're going to be longer episodes, so just buckle up. And I'd much rather talk about things that we like. Anyway, that's the thing. So. I think we just get yeah. excited. And we right. Get away. Yeah. So yeah. So okay. So in 1984, I was in uh, I was in Deer Park, New York, and my father was working for Radio City Music Hall. He was a stagehand. Um, so I have two stories about an event that took place. It didn't take place in 1984. It took place in the early 80s. I don't know which one it was. Uh, the reason was there were two events. It was called Night of a Hundred Stars. And Night of a Hundred Stars, Part Two. <laughs> I think something <laughs> like that, or, or, or two or something. Uh, it was a couple years later. This event is so stupid. So basically, this event was an award show without any awards. Mm. They got a bunch. They got as many famous people as possible, and they just simply like all just came out and just said like hi. Like they would like tell jokes or almost do like you know how before an award they do banter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It was like that for like yeah. three hours. <laughs> <laughs> and, but it was like, but they got especially the first one. They got every star at that point you can imagine. Everyone from like Ricky Schroeder, yeah, to Fred Astaire to like Lucia Ball, like Crazy. everyone who was anybody was at this like, thing. Was at this thing. And if you didn't get invited, you felt like slighted. Yeah, like Bucky Dent and Reggie Jackson were there from the Yankees. <laughs> like, but you had like major stars, like major, yeah. major, major stars. Okay, so. During rehearsals, um, and meanwhile, I was at Radio City Music Hall, and it took, a, took like, I don't know, about a week or two to do these rehearsals. And my dad was there for all of it. And, you know, when you're a stagehand, you know, uh, you, 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 a lot of what you do is, you, is, is loading in and loading out. That's right. your major things, right? So you have a concert come in. Um, my dad was with the music hall from 73 to 85, and then he went and did mm. some stuff on Broadway. Yeah. Uh, and then he, when we got to New York, he, he obviously retired yeah. in 89. So this is during that, at the end of the musical days. Yeah. So uh, his main jobs, they had a lot of concerts back then. And I think when we get into early 80s, I'll explain the difference between that. Sure. City stuff. Unfortunately, when we get early 80s, it's going to be here a lot of my dad's stories. That's just how it's going to be. That's fine. Um, so uh, it, at this point in time, he, a lot of it was concerts. So you had like Grateful Dead come in, you had to load him in, and you had yeah. to load him out. Yeah. But then when they're like kind of doing the show, you kind of sit back and watch. Obviously, you got to like pull the ropes to have any sort of set stuff come in. Sure. But when they're doing rehearsals, a lot of times you're just testing for sound, things like that. Yep. So the, obviously, the, on top of it, you have all these celebrities who don't know what the fuck they're doing. A lot of them are old as fuck. Like they don't like they don't. They're all getting confused and it was, I guess it was like chaos. Yeah, it's like the most unorganized, and everyone has huge egos. So at one point, no one knows what they're doing. They're really confused. And Larry Hagman from Dallas yeah. steps out and he starts screaming at everyone. Like I thought he, he was well adjusted. No, Larry Hagman's a, a oh. monster. I guess he had a, okay. a cane at the time. He's stomping the cane Jesus. on the music hall stage. He's yelling at some of the older people who are very old, and, yeah. and they're very confused. And they, you know, we they had like everyone who's you know who was alive. They said like Lucille Ball or Fred Astaire, people who were really old at the time. And uh, he's just yelling at them, and no one, everyone's kind of afraid of him. At that point, Larry Hagman was a TV star, but it, it, he was one of the biggest. This is after Who Shot Jr. Like, yeah. He was a big deal. Yeah, I know it was just TV, but he was still a big deal. And he right. was very loud. And he was big, and he was kind of scary. Everyone kind of was kind of afraid to approach him. One guy stepped up and said, shut the fuck up. <laughs> and who was that? Henry guy? Winkler. <laughs> the Fonz stepped up. And by that point, Happy Days was just about over. Uh, yeah. It was near the end. Yeah. Um, and he uh, was coming, becoming a director and he had some clout and he just didn't. And he, meanwhile, uh, if you ever hear Henry Winkler, one of the nice guys in Hollywood, although he does have a weird debate uh, argument with uh, uh, Tom Hanks. Doesn't he claims Tom Hanks got him fired from Turner and Hooch. Oh, so those two, even though the two nicest guys it's in very Hollywood, nice. don't it's get along, which is funny. That is funny. But yeah, Henry was like, Stop, don't, he said, how dare you treat people like this? Wow. Who do you think you are? And he got, got like nose to nose. And it's like, you know, step back. Like you are not, 
who are you to talk to people like this? Yeah. And Winkler was younger than Hagman, even though Hagman was bigger. Winkler yeah. probably would have taken him in a fight. Yeah. Because uh, Hagman had a cane. He was just being loud yeah, and boisterous. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but Winkler stepped up. Uh, so they That's have. Funny. So they get their shit together and they have this big production. And at the end of the uh, the biggest star they had there, they wanted to have um, kind of celebrate him at the very end. He's the hundredth star. The yeah, last yeah, one. Yeah, yeah. Even though there were more than hundred stars. So yeah, that's yeah. irrelevant. But the last one for the big finale had a big song dance number with, uh, you know, the Rockettes and everybody else is there. And at the very end, they were going to bring up the last star. And the last star was James Cagney. Yeah. Now, James Cagney's a famous gangster. You dirty rat. Yeah. You killed my yeah, brother. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah public. I know yeah. you know him, but maybe some young people don't. He was like, at the, right at the end of like when movies became talkies, he was like the first gangster. Yeah. Okay. And he was kind of a tough guy, a real man's man, a scary guy. And by that point, he was at the end of his life, very old. In fact, he couldn't walk anymore. He was on a wheelchair. Oh. So like, how do we do this? So what we're going to do is we're, we'll put him in the basement and at the end, we'll, at the end of the show, we'll bring up, they have hydraulic lifts to the music hall. Okay. And we'll bring him up and then he will then rise and ladies and gentlemen, Larry Cagney, good night, everybody. And we can't really, he's, I, don't, I don't know if he's incredibly verbal at the time, but he can kind of give a nice yeah. wave and say, the last star, James Cagney. So uh, they do the show and, uh, and they realize, um, at the end that they forgot about James Cagney. They just left him in the fucking basement? No. <laughs> and then, I don't How know, long? I don't know if it if, if if he if he's in the very, 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 very end they're in the credits, they realize their mistake. <laughs> but when they bring him up, I guess he was crying. He was oh, so scared. No. He was all alone down oh, there, I no. guess. And he thought they forgot about him. That's terrible. But whenever I hear about James Cagney, yeah. I think I feel like if it's a tough guy, it wasn't yeah. my dad telling me. And my dad t- doesn't tell, like, wouldn't tell us a joke, but he's no, like, no, it was so, so sad, sad to see this guy. Yeah. Like, this the toughest guy in the world at one point, or you yeah. know, at least on film. And then he's just sitting in his wheelchair Jeez. crying. Poor guy. That's <laughs> Poor terrible. James Cagney. That's Aww. 900 stars. Yay. Yay. <laughs> uh. So anytime you see our ladies, I'll tell some more of my dad's show business jokes. My dad's long dead, so no one else can tell him. So I will. And uh, I think they're entertaining. And if you don't, well, fuck you. Yeah, I thought that was entertaining. I like them. I like, All right. my, I like them. So uh, let's do headlines. Okay. Uh, Fuzzy Zeller beats Greg Norman to win his first U.S. Open title. He did. So Fuzzy Zeller... Do you want to get into this? Fuzzy no, go ahead, go ahead. So Fuzzy Zeller, um, <laughs> this is not a nice story. After Tiger Woods won the Masters. Yes. Fuzzy Zeller had some, it was kind of, and I guess Fuzzy Zeller is known as kind of a jokester yeah. in, the, in the golfing community. He's kind of yeah, like yeah. one of the, the, the joke, the jokey joke guys. I mean, his name is Fuzzy. Fuzzy, right? And he's a, you know, kind of a, a, you know, a character. Yeah. Uh, he's won two, two majors, I believe. Uh, but he, Tiger Woods, was, and he said, oh, well, what are they going to do now for the meal at the banquet? You know, fried chicken, which is a racist, shitty thing to say. Yes. Um, he then kind of, remember this is 97, so he did try to double back on it and be like, uh, yeah. hey, well, I'm a jokey joke guy. And they're like, no. So no. he did publicly apologize to Tiger yeah. Woods. And Tiger Woods graciously accepted his He apology. did, yeah. Um, and, and actually, Tiger Woods could have made a lot more. Tiger Woods could have fucking buried him. Even back then, that was way uncalled for. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, I'm not a big Tiger Woods guy, but Tiger Woods credit, he, especially young guys, only 21, he did the, uh, unfortunately, you know, maybe some people maybe say he should have taken a stand, but he did it right, and to his credit, Fuzzy Zeller didn't say any more racist stuff, so he, he did it right. Yeah, and probably. I, hopefully, Fuzzy learned his lesson. Probably changed some behavior yeah. because of the way he reacted. He seemed, so. he seemed to, he, I'll say this, Tiger Woods handled that with grace. Yeah, good but for yeah, him. Fuzzy Zeller, uh, complicated situation. Uh, Channel 7's Gary Axelson said goodbye to the station after 12 years on Friday. On Boston? In Boston? I don't or know Channel where. 7, what? what? Where did you get this headline? I don't know. No, where did you get the headline? Uh, just from the internet. What does that mean? That is the worst headline. We've been doing it since our 15th. That's the worst. You know that's a bad headline. Yeah. How do you feel about that? Fine. You don't care it's a bad headline? There's a lot. That's It's hard to find shit at this time period. I found that and I decided to say it. You like that Channel 7? It could be any Channel 7? <laughs> that's be. acceptable to you? Yeah, that's it? That's not acceptable. <laughs> I think it's acceptable. I don't think so. Uh, Weird Al gave a free that's performance awful. at Del Mar Fair in San Diego. Weird Al. I'm still mad. <laughs> read, read, I want you to read the second headline again, please. Okay, okay, okay. At least try to do it with a straight face. Yep. <clears throat> Channel 7's Gary Axelson said goodbye to the station after 12 years on the Friday. Station. <laughs> what station? Gary Axelson? <laughs> yes. I'm going to do this. Okay, folks. I'm telling it you. It was this. in the Washington Post. So it was probably in like Arlington or Washington yeah. or something. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, yeah. Some, yeah, some background. I'm going to do this. I will, I'm going to do my very best to find a picture of Gary Axelson. Find it. And that will be my Twitter background. Oh, I would love it if you did. I'm going to try got, really hard dude, to find if this. If you fucker. do th- oh, if that, you is my do new that. goal. Okay. Actually, I, I can give you some hints. Because I, I tried to do it the day before. It's going to be so confused. You'd be like, <laughs> who the fuck is this, this guy? <laughs> right. Okay, Oakland A's. Uh, Dave Kingman hit his third Grand Slam of the year and 14th of his career. And he has he had the, when he. Um, Not anymore. No. Uh, he had the most home runs in his final year. Oh, he did? Yes. Until. He had t- oh. Until. 
Ooh. He had 35 in his final Did year. Barry didn't have more than 35. Nope. Ooh, that's a great trivia question. Mark McGuire didn't either. He had 29. Nope. Uh, Very recent. Oh. Oh, David Ortiz. Boom. That's the one. So Dave, so Dave Kingman, that's a great story about Dave Kingman. Yeah. So Dave Kingman was with the A's in 86. Yep, he that's, had those yep. 35 home runs. Yep. Uh, and then what happened was he um, it was free agent. And there was, um, what do they call it? Oh, my God. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm forgetting the name. Uh, when uh, co- It was collusion. The owners all got together and said, we're only going to allow not... free agents X. If they don't sign, fuck them. And really? uh, that's how Andre Dawson got fucked. He, he signed like a bargain basement deal with the Cubs. He won MVP uh, the next year. Yeah. And a few guys basically forced in retirement because they wouldn't take bargain bucks. And then the players union sued the owners and won. And these guys all got money afterwards. And that's why the 1993 expansion happened. Ah. Because the owners lost a shitload of money. So they're like, collusion. we need to expand the league so we can make more. What happens is when a team bullshit. jumps yeah. in, they yeah. pay a privilege right, to join the major right. leagues. Yep. So when the Marlins and Rockies joined in 93, it was because of the collusion from 86, which is most relevant that's to crazy. Dave Seaman. That's crazy. How do you like that? Boom. Nice move. That's, that's a great job by me. Yeah. Yeah, no one's no one's fucking gonna doubt Your you anymore. Your headline is horrible. The Gary Axelson. <laughs> I thought you liked that one. That's so bad. <laughs> uh, Virgin Atlantic Airways commenced operation with a flight from London to, to New York. Uh, That's to a New York. That's yeah, a good one. Uh, saving yourself. Yeah. Almost like you're doing that one is just to fuck with me. I, of course, I threw that All in there right. to fuck with you. Gary I thought Axelson. it was good. All right. I did it with a straight good. face too. I thought it was good to look at. That's it though. That's it for headlines. Hey. Oh, so oh, so next week. Yes. I'm gonna say it again. Never see if it works out, but we're gonna have hopefully have Kirk Minahan on. On the Wednesday show, right. we're going to talk Karate Kid. Uh, we're also going to be talking Terminator next week. Yes. So see that? The original Dude, one, Terminator 1. Another good week. Karate Kid Part 1. And then the movie and the song is uh, Purple Rain, which we're going to do uh, on a whole Prince Purple Rain thing uh, for Monday Monday YouTube. on the live, yeah. So watch Purple Rain, watch Terminator, and especially watch Karate Kid if you haven't seen it because we're having Kirk Minahan uh, uh, a week uh, on Wednesday. On Wednesday. You're hearing this on Saturday. Like, mere days. Days. I think that's it. It's all okay. All right. Thanks, guys. Take care.